welcome those that are joining online. Of course, our online campuses, they're also in central Austin. Italy is watching, Mozambique. We've got people connecting to us from our new campus in Naples, Italy. Come on, gone to a second campus in Naples, guys. It's pretty exciting. I know some of y'all are waiting for us to get to the Amalfi Coast. That's just about an hour away, so pray hard. It's an honor to be with each and every one of you. And again, if you're a first-time guest, we just hope to have the opportunity to meet you. And today's speaker is not a speaker. She's our sister. She's been a part of our church literally since the beginning. And uh, Nick and Chris lead a ministry, of course, not just in communication with the gospel, but A21 and, and Propel Women's Ministry. And she is, of course, also a best-selling author. Everything they do is the best. And they are because, honestly, they walk with God. And as large as their ministry has become, their spirit has outgrown any kind of size of their notoriety or the impact that they would make. They've just allowed their heart to stay tender to God. There's very few places that you can go in the world without the impact of Nick and Chris. And of course, she's one of our favorites, not just in communicating the gospel, but but being with Nick and Chris are some of our dearest friends on the planet. We actually call each other and share our woes and all of our issues. And uh, Lori and I have more issues than Nick and Chris do. And she wants to talk about them this morning. And so it's great to have her. Can we have even right now a standing ovation as we welcome, come on, give it up for Chris Kane as she comes to them. Hey church. You'll pray for us as we pastor your pastors. <laughs> I'm joking, but we truly are great friends. Can we thank God for this awesome worship team? I mean, seriously. I want to come to the Pursuit Night and be on an album. This is your best way to get on an album, and you can tell all your you know, friends, I am on an album. I have made an album. So just come. There won't be any microphones in your section of the auditorium, but you could be on an album. Nick and I, I am here with the single most ravishing piece of masculine flesh on planet Earth. And Pastor Joe's looking at me, but I'm looking right next to him, which is my husband, Nick. And um, so up there is my husband. On, uh, yesterday, we were married for 27 years. How is that? That is awesome. You know, most people can't do anything for 27 minutes right now, so 27 years is really good. I think we've got two daughters. Um, yes, there they are. And neither of them look like this anymore, but because they refuse to do family photos, I've told them that wherever I go in the world, I'm going to put this photo up until they do family photos so you can see what they really look like now. So Catherine is 21. She's studying in London. She um, is at school in Malibu, so you'll be praying for her suffering for Jesus in Malibu Beach, in, but you know, someone's got to do it. She said, here I am, Lord, send me. And they do their second year in um, study abroad. So she's just finishing in London, and then Sophia is 17 and actually has short red hair now, but that's what she did look like once in her life. And so um, they are our two beautiful girls. I always go, this is, um, Nick is number 14 of 15 children. So... <laughs> All the chicks just crossed their legs right then. And so you should have seen that. And all the men are like, I'm going to go for that appointment. But anyway, so the thing is that 
you know, the, mixed from good English-Irish stock, so uh, there was no television in that part of Australia. My mother-in-law did not think you were a woman until you, like, popped out number 10. And so I would take Catherine and Sophia to her house and go, this is Catherine Bobby, and she is my alpha, and this is Sophia Joyce, and this is the omega, and this is the beginning and the end of my childbearing years right there. <laughs> so we are family here, there is no doubt about it, and... Uh, I want to thank you all because you all have been partners with us at A21 since day one. And um, who would have known what the Lord would do? And so you all took a chance right at the beginning. And because of your faithful giving, literally thousands of people have been rescued over the world. Dozens of traffickers have gone to jail and hundreds of millions of people have been reached with prevention and awareness messages. And so that is your faithfulness. And I want to thank you for that. I am so pumped up, fired up to be um, ending our series. I'm sort of saying ending our series with a smile on our fa my face because it is continuing uh, next week and you want to bring everyone that you know. You want to bribe people. You want to pay them, offer to buy them lunch for the next 15 weeks to just get them in church. You've got one shot or two shots a year where, you know, the biggest atheist is going to come to church. That's Christmas and Easter. So make sure um, bribe them. Do whatever you need to do and bring them in. Tell them you're taking them to a nightclub and just stop here on the way and just like do whatever you need to do because people are more receptive then than um, at any other time. And listen, everyone sort of thinks they're an atheist. Nick and I were on a flight flying from Chicago to Raleigh, North Carolina, and um, we got up in the air about 30,000 feet and the captain said, uh, you know, after a while, it's, it's just, everything's really quiet. And then the captain gets on the loudspeaker, goes, ladies and gentlemen, there is no need to panic. <laughs> to which I thought I wasn't panicking. <laughs> Prior to that announcement, I wasn't panicking. And then this is what he said. Um, we can't get the landing gear up and we don't know what is still attached. So we're going to turn around and try to land in Chicago. Can I just tell you at 30,000 feet, there are certain words in a sequence you never want to hear. <laughs> Try to land is one of those sequences. <laughs> and so, um, anyway, I'm saying all that for this reason. As the plane was turning around, I mean, you should have seen the spirit of atheism leave that airplane because from the back to the front, you heard everyone crying out, Muhammad, Buddha, Mary, the donkey, the three wise men. I mean, everyone was, and I just looked at Nick and I was laughing and I said, everyone is hoping there is a God right at this moment. So all I'm saying is next week is the week you want to cash that card in. That's going to happen. We're going to turn into the gospel of John John 19, and as we finish the It Is Finished series, we're going to start with the crucifixion of Jesus and end and land on the word that I want to focus on today. The scripture says in verse 17, then they took Jesus away, carrying the cross by himself. I mean, you've got to understand, we could stop and spend the entire day um, on each verse of this, because it's just filled, carrying the cross by himself. Can you even imagine that? He went out to what is called place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and two others with him, one on either side with Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. 
I am Greek, so I just want you all to know that everyone wishes they were Greek. And so Greek is constantly in the Bible, just give me a word, any word. And anyway, <laughs> you're heathens that watch my big fat Greek wedding. I just was checking then. That was a little test as we're reading the scripture. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. That'll, we could spend a day there. Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, divided them into four parts, apart for each soldier. They also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says, they divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Standing by the cross of Jesus, look at all the women that were there, were his mother, his mother's sister's Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. So you did well. You just called your daughter Mary in those times. You could see the three Marys. That's where it originates. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple, he loved. I always pause when I read that, even in my quiet time, because you've got to understand it's John writing this gospel, and John is just letting us all know that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. He wrote that of himself right there. It's like when Moses was writing the Old Testament, you know, the most humble man that ever lived. I thought, wow, I'd write that about myself too. But anyway, so John apparently is the disciple that Jesus loved the most, according to John, backed up with verifiable evidence. There it is right there. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. After this, when Jesus knew that everything was now finished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I'm thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was sitting there, so they fixed a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it up to his mouth. When Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Everyone say, it is finished. That sounded so awesomely American. It is finished. Everyone go, it's finished, mate. <laughs> That's the Aussie version. I'm going to teach you. Everyone say, Awesome. You're very dignified. You could go to the coronation of King Charles. Everyone say that again. Awesome. Okay, now say it like an American. Sailor. You could just think about that. Okay, let's get back to the words. Stop distracting me. You can tell this is the 11 o'clock service. I'm like playing. It goes on, it says, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. I mean, what a, a powerful passage of scripture hinging around one of the, come next week and hear the most important events, but one of the most important events in human history one of the most important moments in human history is the moment where Jesus Christ, a man who was innocent, a man who was blameless, the man that is and was God, was placed on a cross and crucified, killed, executed, murdered. And while he was on that cross, he said what in English are three words. It is finished. But in Greek, it's only one word, and it's the word 
Tetelestai. And we're here today, as we wrap up this whole series, we're going to talk about possibly the most important word that has ever been uttered. That word uttered 2,000 years ago has great ramifications for you and I in 2023, because it was at the cross that it was finished. At the cross, sin was finished. At the cross, the sacrificial system was finished. At the cross, our sins and our debt was paid for at the cross. At the cross, death was finished. Why was pastor able to talk with such conviction about a horrific and a tragic event that happened this week and that is happening throughout the world nonstop? It's because if you are in Christ, it doesn't end when death says that it's end. That's not the end because Jesus died on the cross. We get eternal life. We get fullness of life. Death is not the end. It is finished. It's finished. The cross is the most important love statement ever made to humanity. If you've come into church today and you're wondering, man, what does God think about me? After everything that I've done this week, after everything that I've done in my life, after all the mistakes, after all the failures, after everything that I know that I am that nobody else might know, this is what God thinks of you. For God so loved you that he gave his only begotten son to die on a cross so that you and I can have forgiveness for each and every one of all of our sins, not just some, but all. And the price that Jesus paid at Calvary 2,000 years ago continues to reverberate to today. And throughout all of eternity, that word, it is finished, the tense that is used means it is finished, 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 finished. It was finished in the past. It is finished in the present. It is finished into the future. All of our sins, past, present, and future. It is finished, 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 finished. Such a powerful act. One word to tell us It's finished. Jesus completed the plan of redemption. Jesus finished it all. At the cross, he completed his work. And I want you to understand that because Jesus finished it, there is nothing that you and I can do to finish it. You cannot complete a completed work. You cannot finish a finished work. So many of us are still struggling and striving to become good enough for God, to work hard enough for God, to do enough good deeds for God, to somehow make atonement for all of the things that we've done wrong. But I'm sitting here today to tell you, you and I can't finish what's already been finished. We can't complete what's already been completed. Jesus paid it all. It is done. It is finished. Nobody is going to offer you that. No other God, no other religion, no one is going to offer you forgiveness for sin. And dare I say, in 2023, with unprecedented anxiety, depression, Stress, suffering in the world today, guilt, shame, and condemnation is killing a generation. 
And if we understood the power of forgiveness and the power of a completed work, we would have an entirely different world. People are being overwhelmed and crushed by carrying something we were never designed to carry. Only the shoulders of Jesus Christ were broad enough to bear the burden of sin and shame and guilt and condemnation. And because he bore it all, I don't need to. I can lay it at the feet of the cross. Jesus paid the price for it. Some of you today need to let some stuff go. And instead of trying to bear it and carry it yourself, place it at the feet of Jesus whose shoulders on that cross are broad enough to carry the sin and the shame and the guilt and the evil. If you try to work it out in this world, it will crush you. If Nick and I tried to carry the things that we read about in 821, things I could never even share with you, you wouldn't sleep at night. When people say to me, there's no such thing as the devil, I'm like, you don't do what I do. When you see the level of depravity and evil, and we've just been exposed to it this week, again, afresh, all of us, but I see it on a daily basis. And for people that don't believe in a hell, you're going to hope there is one after you see what some people do to other people in this planet. And you're going to hope that there is this sense of eternal justice and a just God. And thank God that because of Jesus, that I don't have to try to work it myself. I can stand in His righteousness alone because His blood washes me clean. And I can stand in the blood and the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, it's finished. It is finished. I want you to see this quote from the great preacher, Charles Spurgeon. This is what he said, because sometimes you go, what does this word mean? Because it's a victory word. Pastor last week was saying, there's two types of people. You can kind of go, it's finished out of, I've, I've done it, and victory, or it's finished out of like, man, I'm finished. And he said, which way do you want to die? Well, Jesus died with a victory shout. Don't, don't, don't even begin to get an idea to think that he's like, oh man, I'm overwhelmed. And the powers of principalities of this world have taken me out and the enemy won and I'm finished. No, no, no. You've got to understand this is a victory cry. Look at this, an ocean of meaning in a drop of language. A mere drop for that is all we can call one word. Tetelestai. Everyone say tetelestai. <laughs> Yet it would need all the other words that were ever spoken or ever can be spoken to explain this one word. It is altogether immeasurable, finished. It was a conqueror's cry. It was uttered with a loud voice. There is nothing of anguish about it. There is no wailing in it. It is the cry of one who has completed a tremendous labor and is about to die. And before he utters his death prayer, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He shouts, I love this, he shouts his life's last hymn in that one word, Tetelestai. It's a victory cry. Jesus on that cross, and that cry is still ringing through eternity, which is what this next holy week and next week is all about. It's still ringing all around the earth, whether it's legal or illegal to be a Christian. People gather around this one cry. It is 
finished, 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 finished. And we're here to tell a lost and a broken world that because Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross and rose again, every single person has access to forgiveness for our past, a brand new life today and a hope for the future. It is good news for a dying world. We are taking a living Jesus to a dying world and declaring and decreeing good news. We're not meeting here together today because we had nothing else to do. And we're just like this little remnant that's just hanging on until the rapture. We are a people that serve a resurrected, living, victorious, overcoming King who defeated death and hell and sin. It is finished. It is finished. You know, he didn't say, I'm finished. Y'all, they've written a lot of books trying to think that Jesus is dead. <laughs> a lot of really smart people that are really dumb. I'm like, man, you've got to have a lot of degrees to be that dumb. <laughs> Seriously. That resurrected Savior lives in our hearts. He defeated sin and he defeated hell and he defeated death on that cross. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, it is finished. So what is the it? What's the it? Because so many of us are still striving for it. We're still scrolling every day and swiping, looking for it. Where's my significance? Where's my security? Do I need to amass more? Do I need to accumulate more? Do I need more money? Do I need more influence? What do I need to find it? And Jesus is like, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to place your significance or security or your value or your identity in how much you acquire or amass or accumulate. You put that in the fact that God so loves you. This is your value. This is what you and I are ultimately worth. You and I created in the image of God. He says, this is your value. You don't need to do more. You don't need to be more. You don't need to achieve more. I love you so much that I gave my only begotten son to die on a cross for you. Your value is lies in the fact that you are created in the image of God and you are worthy because you're created in the image of God. You don't have to keep chasing it because Jesus finished it. So now you can operate in this realm from a place of love, not for the love of God, from a place of approval, not for the approval of God. He already approves of you and he already loves you. You don't have to chase it because you found it when you find Jesus. When you find Jesus, that's the it. So what happened? What ended? Okay, Tetelestai. The sacrificial system is the first thing that ended in the Old Testament. Every year after Passover, you would bring a lamb and it would be sacrificed. The blood would be shed to atone, to, to make penance for, for the sins that you had committed. If it was my case, I'd have to bring a hundred lambs because I had a lot of sins. Man, that gets tired and old. And when Jesus who was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth, he became the Passover lamb. He himself became the lamb that was slain. So he's like, it's done. That old system, it's finished. You don't have to try to earn your way, work your way to be approved by God or to be loved by God or to be forgiven by God. Jesus took it all upon himself. And yet so many of us still try. Still trying to do enough for God to love us. 
still trying to make up for all the stuff that we have done wrong, somehow thinking, you know, I come from a very staunch Greek Orthodox religious system, and man, I remember from a kid, my parents who were awesome, but they, you know, sometimes people could be very sincere in the advice that they give you, but they can be really sincerely wrong. Well, they were just like, gave me this picture from a little kid of God as this big guy in the sky with this huge beard, holding a big stick, just waiting to hit me over the head every time I did something wrong, which was often. And I was like so scared of God, never felt worthy, never felt that I could come into the presence of God or that God could love somebody like me because of everything that I had done wrong. And I would just kind of try to make up for it and try to do more good works. And then because I wasn't able to sustain it, it would be two steps forward, 20 steps back. And some of us were on that cycle, even when we're living in church. We're just on this constant cycle of trying to earn God's approval, earn God's love, trying to pay our own form of the Old Testament sacrificial system. And if I just sacrifice, if I just give, if I just do, if I just, if, 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 and Jesus is saying, it's finished. I've done it. I love you. And if you've come from a a staunch, legalistic, religious tradition like I did, it is so hard. The only way you can get this truly into your heart is by the power of the Holy Spirit who bypasses your head and goes, let me saturate you in the love of God. Let me saturate you in the love of God. And stop trying to work it out and stop trying to reason it because Jesus has done it all. Just accept it. And for most people, especially if you're a person that thinks and overthinks and obsessively ruminates and is just wired up to be really smart, one of the hardest things to do is simply to receive the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. For us, it's always a lot easier to go, wow, quid pro quo. God, 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 let me do this for you. And and then I'll know that you love me. God, let me be this. And then I'll know. And he says, no, 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 I've done it all. I've done it all. So you can come and flourish in the kingdom and flourish in this house. No one's looking for you to do more to get acceptance from God. They're saying from that place of approval and love, we now serve. From that place of approval and love, we now give. From that place of approval and love, we obey. And that leads to a flourishing life. We don't do it for God's approval. We do it from God's approval. We don't do it for God's love. We do it from God's love. And you will only sustain that over the course of your life if you understand that you get to, you don't have to, and it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit living in you and an understanding that he did it all. I'm not good enough. I never was. I'm not righteous enough. I never was. I'm not smart enough. I never was. I'm not connected enough. I never was. There is nothing I can do to add to what Jesus did. He did it all. And when I accept that he did it all, then I am free to be who he's called me to be on this earth. He did it all. It's liberating. It's liberating that to understand that Jesus himself became the lamb that was slain. It's done. The second thing that is finished is sin is finished. You know, another word for, in ancient Israel, to telestai, I'm, I'm using this as if it was a stamp. You, you would like stamp, it meant it's finished, a debt. If you had a debt, so today if, 
if there's a debt and you get a letter back maybe from the bank or, you know, it, this doesn't happen much, but you could tell how old I am, but they would stamp the bottom of the letter, paid in full. It's paid in full. That's what tetelestai means. That debt is stamped, paid in full. So our sins have been paid in full. And so many of us struggle over this and stay on a treadmill over this because we're just like, man, man, here I go again. And and how could God forgive me again? Paid in full. The scripture says that in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Now turn to your second choice and say, you too. (laughs) For all. And that word in the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, guess what all means? All. Now, sometimes this is the verse that I feel like posting out there. Because we have a cancel culture where people have selective sins and the ones they love to call out is the one that perhaps they're not struggling with that day. And do you realize how many self-righteous Pharisees we have out there? So eager to call people out, so eager to cancel people. And I thank God for the cross of Jesus because Jesus doesn't cancel people, Jesus canceled sin. There is a difference between canceling people and canceling sin. It is nailed, hammered to that cross. And can I just say, cancel culture is eating so many people up and some of us have confused Jesus with cancel culture. And because people won't forgive us or forget what we've done, we think God's the same. The scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in our current culture, there are sort of acceptable sins and unacceptable sins, and it changes depending on who's writing the narrative. So you're better to stick to the Bible. Because if you're just trying to impress people and if you're trying to go with the cultural drift, you'll be in this week and the same people that are saying Hosanna to you this week will say crucify next week. So you're better to stick to what the gospel says and you better have a fear of God and not a fear of man. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And so I'd rather be in right standing with God even if other people have a misunderstanding of me. And the degree to which you're willing to live with the tension of a world misunderstanding you, knowing that there is a God that understands you and knowing that there is a God that loves you and a a God that forgives you and he says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and Romans 6 23 says but you know what that the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus so all have sinned and the wages of sin is death that is the wage for every single person It doesn't matter if they're only calling out certain sins on social media right now. God, who is over everybody, says, excuse me, all of sin and the wages of sin is death. And then he says this, he says, but you have a gift because of Tetelestai, because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Death has been defeated. If you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't need to die. Death has lost its sting. Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated the consequences of sin because he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. Who else would give you that? Who else would give you that? So don't get caught up in the narrative of this world. 
Because some of you, you feel cancelled because you've been cancelled by the world, but God doesn't cancel people. God doesn't cancel people. And just when you're ready to cancel someone else, you ought to thank God he didn't cancel us. I don't know that there's a more important message on the earth in this hour. So many mental health issues, so much anxiety. People are so stressed in case I get called out, in case I lose my job, in case I'm disqualified from things at school because everyone's so scared of saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing, depending on who determines what the right or wrong thing is. And so Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to give you peace in your soul. Understand that you can be right with God, who is the creator of the universe. And it really doesn't matter what man says. We want to be God pleasers and we want to have peace with God on the earth today. That's what we want to do. We want to have peace with God. So sin has finished. Jesus canceled sin because he died on that cross. I mean, he really, really did die. I want you to know he didn't fake die. There's a lot of like trendy little books going around that people expend a lot of energy trying to prove that Jesus didn't really die. I'm like, my word, It actually takes less faith to believe that Jesus died than it does to try to believe what you're trying to tell me about how he didn't die. There is more historical evidence for the death of Jesus than there is than the fake death of Jesus. And so, you know what? It makes people nervous to really believe that he did die because if he really did die, then he really did defeat the powers and principalities of this world. And you and I don't have to die because Jesus did die. I want you to remember, Jesus did not die to make bad people good. Jesus died to make dead people alive. That's what the death of Jesus did. It brought us life. Life. And so... The good news is you and I don't have to get cleaned up to come to God. That's the good news for someone in this place today. You don't have to get cleaned up. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, that tetelestai, that death, that gruesome death on the cross, while we were still sinners, God can't love us any more than he does. And he knows everything we've ever said, done or thought wrong. He knows it and he still went to that cross of his own volition. No one killed Jesus. Jesus freely gave up his life for us. He made that choice. There's no greater act of love, no greater act of love in all of eternity than the fact that God himself willingly chose to die on a cross, the most gruesome form of execution for you and for me. Who is this God who so deeply loves us? And the final thing, <laughs> the finished on that cross was shame. In Isaiah, Scripture teaches us that Jesus bore our sin and shame. Why would he bear our shame? You know, you've got to go right back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, very last verse before the fall in Genesis chapter 3, it says that both the man and his wife were naked. Some of you just woke up in church right now. You're like, whoa, what is that? Is that verse in the Bible? I just, I'm going to go back to the Bible. That's right, you can wake up right now. Both the man and his wife were naked, yet felt no shame. How interesting. How interesting. 
doesn't say felt no, I don't know, pick any other word, any other emotion. They felt no shame. And then the very next verse, the enemy turns up in the garden and the fall of humanity is there. And what the enemy did in the garden by deceiving the man and the woman was ended up heaping shame on them because they ate of the fruit of the tree that the Lord said don't. And what happened was the Lord comes in. First question God asks in the Bible. First question that God asks. The very first question the devil asked. Did God really say that question he'll always ask. But then God asks the question, the father as he walks through the garden, Adam, where are you? Where are you? And he says, man, we were... I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and so I hid their shame. Fear, shame, hiding. First time I realized I was naked. First time I realized I was exposed. First time I I, I, I hid from God because of my shame. And you know what? We've been doing that ever since. Hiding from God because of our shame. But on the cross, the scripture says... (laughs) Jesus died for our shame. And can I tell you, so much of what we see in the world today, while everyone is just touting their stuff and pretending I just want to be me and just want to live however I want to live and there's no shame, so much of what is driving the anxiety and the guilt and the depression out there is so much guilt and shame and condemnation because deep down we were not wired up to be living how we are living in this world today and Jesus where the devil has come to say shame on you Jesus on that cross said shame off you I am lifting that shame off you so that you can be the son or the daughter that I created you to be and the shame off us doesn't just affect us it affects the generations that are coming after us So many of us, because of shame, are caught up in patterns of addiction and patterns of of, of so many other destructive behaviors. And it's really because we don't like ourselves and it's really because we feel so much guilt and shame. And Jesus came to set us free. It's finished. Some of us are carrying stuff that's come through generations. Addiction's always been in our family. Immorality's always been in our family. Divorce has always been in our family. We just carry that generation to generation. You know, I was speaking at a conference in England and I saw a genealogy shop where you kind of put your name in a machine and spits out a chart of, you know, your history. And because, <coughs> because Nick's from, um, family is from England, I was kind of excited. I thought, I'm going to go and check out this our history because you know if I find out I was watching sort of Downton Abbey and the crown and I was really into it and I thought maybe we've got this awesome house somewhere in England I thought you know maybe we'll be invited to King Charles coronation who knows like this is awesome maybe we're distant cousins and since Harry and Megan are not in we could take their place I don't know like so you know we'll just go playing I'm Australian we're still part of the colony you threw the tea out we still drink it so don't forget that so and so I thought I went in and I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna find this awesome thing I'm gonna find that Nick is actually a baron or a knight or a lord or something so I put his name in and I'm expecting you know something awesome but you know what comes out no joke pirates convicts criminals murderers thieves 
I'm like, gee, I married well. That's how his family got to Australia on the ships and they didn't pay their fare. But anyway, so just <laughs> so there's this whole history and legacy. And then I was thinking about my side of the family, things that can never be changed. I mean, you put it in, spits it out. Things that, that can't be changed. I mean, plenty to be ashamed about. Incest and abuse with my background. Marginalization and addictions and divorce and brokenness. I mean, full of shame. Generation after generation. So I can't change any of that, but I started to think because of Tetelestai, because of Jesus. When Jesus, when Nick and I came to Jesus and then we got married, we, we can't change anything. We can't change convicts and criminals and thieves and adultery and fornication and immorality and abuse. I can't change that. But you know what? When we came together and we got married because of Tetelestai, because it is finished, we made a decision that, that we're not going to keep repeating those patterns because it is finished. So we drew a bloodline in the sand and we said, with us, it is finished. With us, abuse is finished. With us, addictions are finished. With us, divorce are finished. Tetelestai, it is finished. Finished. In Jesus' name. Oh yeah, that one act 2,000 years ago still reverberates today. It is finished, it is finished, it is finished, it is finished. It is finished, it is finished. It is finished. To tell us die. Because of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross. You, can, you and I can have forgiveness for our past. A brand new life today. And a hope for the future. Friend, I wonder if you know this Jesus I'm talking about. Not do you know about Him, but do you know Him? And if you don't, right here, right now, right where you're sitting, I want to give you the opportunity to address the spiritual condition of your heart, the opportunity to put Jesus Christ first in your life. You were created by God for a relationship with God. And it is Jesus that connects us to God. It is Jesus that connects us to the grace of God. I wonder if you know Him today. Perhaps a friend has invited you into this place. You weren't even really sure what you were coming to. But I'm here to tell you, you are not here by accident. You are here in the divine timing, the divine plan and the divine purpose of God. Maybe you once walked with God, but if you're honest today, you've been away from God, cold in your heart, maybe even backslidden. Today, friend, I want to encourage you to stop running from Him. Come home to Him. Make your peace with God. Put Jesus Christ first in your life. I just want every head bowed and every eye closed, friend from the front to the back, from the left to the right in this moment. I'm not speaking to the person next to you. I'm speaking to you. And if you say to me this morning, Chris, I want what you're talking about today. I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ, either for the very first time or you've been away from God, cold in your heart. But you're saying, Chris, I want a fresh start with Jesus. I want to pray with you. Just a very simple but powerful prayer. Wherever you're sitting, right in that seat, and if you say, Chris, would you include me in that prayer today? I want a fresh start with Jesus, just so that I know who I'm praying for. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, Chris, pray for me. I want a fresh start with Jesus. I'm seeing dozens and dozens of hands go straight up. That's awesome. Straight up. Look at that. Or in every single section of the room, there are so many of you. Keep those hands going up and saying, yes, Chris, I want a fresh start with Jesus Christ today. I want to surrender my heart and my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is stunning. Stunning. Keep those hands up high. I'm going to pray a prayer. 
And I want everybody in the room to pray this prayer out loud after me, especially those of you with your hands up. Your hands up, you're saying to Jesus, He sees you. I'm praying this prayer. The rest of us in this room, believers, we're gonna pray in agreement with you out loud, with conviction. We're gonna add our faith to yours as you say yes to Jesus this morning. So church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, I've raised my hand today because I recognize my need for you. I'm sorry that I've been living my life my own way and ignoring you. I'm sorry that I've sinned against you. And I ask today that you would forgive me for all of my sins, that you would give me a fresh start today and a hope for the future. I wanna be a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ every single day for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus Christ a mighty ovation in this place? Can we worship Him some more? Come on, we sing. for Christine Kane and the message that she brought today. Hey, have a seat for just one second. Got a couple of things to talk about just for a moment. Number one, if you just made a decision to Christ, we want to help you. We want to be a part of that journey. And of course, you can't go alone. You can't read the New Testament. And I want you to hear this. There's not one person that is allowed to just have the New Testament without a church. You can't say, I have a relationship to God. It's just me and God. There's not one example of a Christian in the New Testament Scripture that didn't have a church. And if they didn't, they're off. It's important for you to be a part of a local, healthy church. Healthy part's the hard part. (laughs) And that's why we do what we do here at Celebration Church, to attack any dysfunction. Because we know that if a church gets unhealthy, we know what it begins to happen. And of course, the church and the kingdom begins to fray. So number one, we want you to be a part. And we've got that all in steps for you so you can go to our concourse and we've got a team of people ready to help you we've got every week during every service our growth track is happening to help you with that and so i thank god for the decision that you made today and maybe you heard this message and you're like i don't know about this during the message that chris was preaching the bible talks about the day of sodom and gomorrah when god threw fire down upon the world the bible says his son-in-laws thought it was a joke they thought it was a joke they thought it was just rhetoric And this is not rhetoric. This is not a joke. This is not just theory. The reality is God's real. And He's here and He loves you. 
and he wants to do something great in your life. And so I applaud you. In fact, I want to encourage every one of you tonight, five o'clock, Chris is going to be preaching the same message, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to come with somebody. How many know somebody that needs to hear this message that you heard today? How many know somebody? If you don't, you need to get out into the world and meet some sinners because you have been locked up in a bubble for too long. The Bible says go into the highways and the byways and compel them. That literally means drive them into church. If somebody didn't do this for me, I was 15 years old. Peggy and Jack Benson brought me to a church to hear the gospel like this tonight at 5 o'clock. And look, they may be pastoring one day 35 years later. My third boy is named after Jack Benson. It was Jack and Peggy that brought me to church. Bring somebody tonight. Come back at 5. And then, of course, we have our 5 o'clock, our, our pursuit night at 7 o'clock Wednesday. And I really do believe it's also going to be primarily a prayer meeting setting up for the weekend services for Easter. As you leave today, we have cards for you to take and invite your friends, invite cards for the Easter services. we got six services to choose from. I highly encourage you to invite people to come. Of course, if, if you're a regular member at the 9 o'clock in the early morning Sunday, try to move if you can because we're going to have our Christmas crowd. They're going to come back or the crowd that we haven't seen at Easter. They're going to show up. It's going to be packed. You heard the babies in here during the service today. Let me just tell you why. Every room in our church is filled right now. Well, the early services Easter are going to be packed. That's why we're going to do Friday and Saturday as well. So I uh, encourage you to take advantage of the service options if possible. And then lastly, as uh, Chris and Nick are traveling the world with 821, I'm going to ask for Nick to join us real quick because we don't do this, but we're going to do it today. And that is we're going to sow a special offering into A21, into trafficking and setting people free from human trafficking. Would you welcome Nick Kane as he comes today? One of my best buddies on the planet. And uh, we look forward to being together as often as we can. Right now, can you just talk a little bit about the scope of A21? And then we want to hear some stories about what God's doing specifically in the lives of people. Cool. Um, A21 A- is an amazing organization. I say that because we have such a great team. We're operating across uh, 15 countries and 19 cities around the world. And uh, just this year, we've seen uh, close to 100 uh, victims of trafficking uh, rescued. And over 70 of those have gone into our personal um, care, which is life transforming care, which will absolutely change their destiny. And many of those have been right here in Texas. Um, Just this week, we had Um, a 14-year-old girl rescued in Texas. We've had multiple uh, minors rescued here in Texas. Um, And and it is amazing to be be working right here and working with um, the whole Texas law enforcement crew. Um, I think it was about a week and a half ago, the Dallas DA and sheriff came to the the Freedom Center that we run in, in Dallas and presented the team with an award for the amazing work that they've been doing to, to help survivors of trafficking. But, um, and, and we work across the board doing everything from trafficking prevention and awareness um, through to helping survivors and then uh, prosecuting traffickers. But, uh, but one of the things that I'm really proud of that's going on at the moment is we've developed a K through 12 curriculum um, so we can educate kids in school by their teachers, not us having to go do it, but as part of their health um, and social science curriculum um, about the dangers of trafficking, how to recognise trafficking, 
and how to avoid being trafficked and what to, what to do if they see it. And just two quick stories on that. One, this week, um, a, a young girl, elementary school student, um, went to her teacher and said, um, I think that's happening to me. Um, uh, my dad said that I'm really pretty and the way that I could best help the family um, pay our bills is if he took pictures of me naked and posted them on the internet and sold them. Um, and so we were able to, to intervene or have the police intervene in that situation. Another situation, again, just a couple of weeks ago, this is, this is all the last few weeks, um, a, uh, a class had been doing the curriculum and one of the kids went to the teacher and said, hey, ma'am, um, that grooming thing is happening to us here. In fact, one of the girls from this school is currently on her way to the airport to meet a guy who has been grooming her. Um, and the police were able to intervene, arrest that guy, the FBI are involved, and he was trafficking dozens of kids. So, that, that's just some of the stuff that's going on here. And I could tell you about four-year-olds being uh, rescued in, in Asia and 18-months-old um, girls who are being pimped out by their parents who are, uh, we, yeah, we won't go into any more detail, but just horrific stuff um, that, that thanks to you guys, because you have partnered with A21 for years, uh, we are able to see lives change, we are able to see absolute transformation um, in the lives and destiny of so many people around the world. So thank you, Celebration Church. And that reach, that after school and that program, that curriculum reaches how many millions of people? Uh, it's about 6 million people at the moment. It's all of the Dallas ISD, um, a bunch of um, in Michigan because it's just in its beta phase, but it'll be rolled out nationally. It's, it's certified for pretty much every form of curriculum here in Australia, uh, in sort of the US. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm Australian. It's, just, it's hard to get out of. Um, and, and we've done it with millions of kids in, um, in South Africa as well. So it's, it's an amazing so thing. The the actual um, coming at it from another angle. It's yeah. not from the top down, it's from the bottom up, isn't it? Yeah. Reaching if, the children. If, if we can teach everybody, and you, you saw some of our stuff in, in London, if, if we can make... There's 50 million people who, have been, who are currently trafficked in slavery today in the world, more than ever before in the history of humanity. Um, if we can take it so that it's not just up to the police and law enforcement to spot it, but if we can make all of us, by educating everybody on, on the signs of trafficking um, and how to recognise trafficking and what to do, which is not you intervene, but call the, the anti-trafficking hotline and the police so they get involved, then all of a sudden we've got 4 billion people looking for the 50 million people. We can actually solve this problem in this generation. So we can do it together and we can do it easily. Well, Nick, we thank you for your ministry and your work. And thank you. There's a QR code. So if you'd like to give right now by QR code, we also have celebration.church or, of course, our giving stations. There is no gift that is too small. Give something. This is good soil. This is good seed. And what does the Bible tell us? Pure religion is this. Pure and undefiled walk with God means what? To care for the widows and the orphans. In other words, get into the space where the pain is the greatest. And this is what A21 does. 
And so we thank you for your giving. And I pray that uh, we give them more than they've ever had before from our church or any other church in the name of Jesus. And also, before we go, in fact, can we stand right now? We're going to ask for our elders and for our leadership team to come forward. If today you need prayer or today you said, I said yes to Jesus or I don't know where my car is. I want you to come forward because one of these people are going to be able to help you and pray that your car will be manifested. But more importantly, guys, how many believe that prayer changes things? And we do not want you to leave this place without knowing that you're being prayed for. So tonight, 5 o'clock, of course, Chris will be back and then plan to be with us at our pursuit night. 7 o'clock is going to be an amazing time. Lord, thank you for 821. We bless this offering and we pray for those that have given, Lord, to be blessed and multiplied. And Lord, I pray as we leave today, and those that have received Christ as Lord, that Jesus, may they know today that their life will never be the same from this moment on. God bless us, protect us as we go. In Jesus' name, everybody said, God bless you guys. We'll see you. God bless you.